Amen. Well, again, welcome to church. So thankful that you have joined with us today. Uh, welcome. My name is Travis, uh, lead pastor here at Antioch, and we just uh, love every opportunity that we have to bring him worship uh, because he's so worthy. He's so deserving of it. So thanks for being here today. Uh, as Andy mentioned, we're diving back into our series called The Beautiful Church. What a great subject for us as the church uh, to dive into as we have a calling and as we possess as a, as a local church a, a longing uh, to be a church that rightly and, and reflects the beauty of Jesus. And, and so we're, we're going to be diving into the Word of God over these next few weeks, just looking and studying at how we can be a people who do just that who rightly reflect his beauty and his glory on the earth through this, this, this body of believers called the church. And so I want to begin just by hopping into Ephesians chapter 4, where we're doing our chapter study, going through the book uh, verse by verse, going through this chapter verse by verse, and uh, picking up where we left off last week in verse 7. And for today, I'm going to be reading through verse 13. It says this, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? And he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As we talk about this beautiful church that was instituted by God to facilitate a move of God on the earth, uh, there's many passages of scripture that run to, through my mind that get me excited about who we're called to be, whether it's the, the function and role of the church in, in society or, or how the church is to operate. I think about passages that talk about making disciples like Jesus's commission to us in Matthew 28, where we are told to go and make disciples of Jesus. I, I think of a, another way that that was taught in 1 Timothy 2.2, where Paul tells Timothy, his, his disciple, to go and entrust to others this message that's been entrusted to you. Pass it on so that they can go, that they would be reliable and teach it to others. And so just this transformation uh, of, of, uh, of people's lives that are then transforming others. And uh, this, this pattern of making disciples that we see facilitated in the life of the church. I think about Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, this powerful passage of scripture where it's de de declaring that, that now through the church, that the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. Okay, so this, this role that the church plays in making the manifold wisdom of God known, I think of 1 Timothy 3.15, where it, it describes the church as the pillar in support of truth. And it just gives you this picture of these, these pillars holding up this edifice, this grand structure, and these massive pillars of strength that are holding up this building. And it describes the church as the, those pillars 
of truth that, that brings support uh, and, and into, into the world, into societies that we live in. That this is one of the roles of the church, being this pillar and support of the truth of God uh, that help, help to uphold society. And I, I certainly think of Acts chapter 2. Is specifically verses 42 through 47 that, that we talk often about in here because it is this beautiful description of, of the early church of a group of people that had been impacted by the life of Christ and had so then devoted themselves to Jesus and to one another. They, 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 they met together in people's homes. They broke bread together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. In their midst, they, they saw signs and wonders, people being healed and delivered. It, it, they, they shared with people that, that had need. And every day, there were people responding to the message with which they had been entrusted. It was transforming the human heart. Every day, people were being added, being baptized as they came into this, this body of believers called the church. In 2011, uh, we came to Arizona to plant a church with many of those dreams and desires, those pictures of what the, the church is, is, is designed to be in the, in the kingdom of God, in the plan of God, that we would have the opportunity to partner with him to see his church established that we might facilitate a move of God on, on the earth that would bring him glory and that would allow many people to come uh, into the knowing of Jesus. And, uh, and when we did that, it was not only uh, with a desire to, to plant a church locally, but actually the word of God for us was to, to go and, and plant a church that would see a, a movement of churches established uh, uh, throughout the earth, that we weren't to be just a, a cul-de-sac church, that kind of sets up shop on the end of a cul-de-sac, like it kind of grows and attains and builds and just kind of settles there, but actually that we would be built on a thoroughfare uh, where there could be a church that impacts society deeply, but also continues to, to multiply the life of God. Uh, we see that in disciple making, that it's not, a, the, the, the call to make disciples is not a cul-de-sac activity. Sometimes we want to trade it out for kind of a, a, a mentorship where we come to a cul-de-sac and we just sit and we learn. Um, but really, the call of discipleship is a, is a through way where, where we, we, we become disciples of Jesus and immediately are told to go and make other disciples. Uh, and there's multiplication, there's movement in the kingdom of God. And so we've had the opportunity and privilege to send individuals out uh, all over the world to, to do missions for different lengths of times, just uh, sharing the gospel. We, we've had the great privilege of sending out three teams that are currently on the field in different nations of the earth uh, and, and experience the joy of the Lord to see this gospel uh, established through the church and through the making of disciples in places where there's not a viable gospel witness. Uh, there's a call that we feel as a church to, to the Southwest region of the United States. You kind of have, you know, the, the, the Acts 1 passage where you have your kind of Jerusalem, uh, your Judea, your Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we feel like God's given us those those pieces where even as a movement, uh, the Antioch movement that we're a part of uh, has grown in the, in the past 10 years. They've, we're shifting towards uh, different churches owning different regions so that we can properly like strategize and pray and believe for the kingdom to come in these different areas of the United States. And we've been asked to, to, to help lead out for the Southwest region of seeing more churches established. So we're believing that churches are gonna be planted in this region uh, from out of this body. Uh, for years, uh, we've, uh, well, for, from the very beginning, we felt 
that there wasn't to just be one church in, in the Phoenix Valley, but that God would call us to plant other churches. And for the last eight years, we feel like God's been kind of putting a, a church inside of us, just like ready to be birthed, right? And, uh, and so that's been a, a desire of ours. And in fact, there have been times over the years where we thought we were ready and it was going to be the time of the Lord to do it. And in his wisdom and through the counsel of others, uh, that hadn't happened. And uh, there, there's, there's, you know, when you plan a church with the hope of planting other churches, there's books that you read and information that you find. And there's certain timelines like, hey, if, you, if a church doesn't plan a church by this period of time in, in the life of their existence, they probably never will. And, and so, you know, there's some of those things that uh, we, we're, we've, we're taking longer than we thought, but uh, what, what I'm excited to announce to us today, with all that buildup, is that we are, are finally in a season where God has said, it is time for you to plant a church in the Phoenix Valley. So this fall, uh, we will be planting a church in Central Phoenix. And, uh, and so, yeah, it, it, it really is something to get excited about. Anytime a church is planted, and I know that language for us is more used in these days, but anytime a church is planted, is established for the glory of God, there, there is kingdom advancement. There are the, the lost that will be saved. There are people that are not currently gathered that will be gathered and will be mobilized for kingdom work. And so we are excited uh, about the opportunity to partner with God. And again, from, from just this little body of believers here in Chandler, Arizona to say, we're going to send out uh, a team to, to plant a church. And so I wanna invite some of that team up here uh, that's gonna be playing a role. So if you guys wanna come on up here, we've got the Van Wise, the Minicucci's, Malia Williamson. You guys come on up here. So I just want to introduce to you th this, this team who's going to be providing a pastoral covering for this church. There's going to be some others that will be helping and, and joining with us in a, on a lay leadership level. You have Malia down on the end as well as, uh, as, well as Chris and Stosh Minakuchi. If you can't tell, they have been very involved in our GCU college ministry uh, and so are well-loved. And God is doing some incredible things there as we plant in uh, central uh, Phoenix. Obviously, one of the, the, the goals of that is, is being more accessible to GCU. Uh, while there will still be some students that are part of this church, we know many of them will be a part of helping to establish this church. And we're believing for God to continue to do great things uh, in and through that, that campus, the students that have been called to that campus. So we're excited to have them on that team. You also have Andy and Andrea Van Wy, who uh, first, there we go, get some other applause going. <laughs> um, but uh, we're excited. So Andy and Andrea have been, uh, they're, they're going to be uh, lay leaders, lay pastoral on the lay pastoral team, but they have been leading out for the last year and a half, a uh, life group up in the Arcadia area where, where they live. And there's been a wonderful group of people that have been gathered, uh, some of which have begun attending here, others of which are, are going to be a part of the, this church when it launches, uh, but God's doing some exciting things in, in that area. And I asked Andy actually just to share a little bit about what God's already doing and what we get to step into, not only on the GCU front, but also and what God's doing in the Central Phoenix area. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Um, so the testimony of what God's done in, in our lives over the last two years is, is kind of this. We, we moved back to Arizona a little over 
two years ago. And um, Travis and I sat down and, and began to talk about just the, the need um, that, that God had kind of revealed to both of us for uh, a new char- church in that part of the city. We had started to see and experience that in a lot of the families that we'd built relationships with, um, just a longing for the gospel. Um, and, and so we started to dream and kind of pray about that and, and what would that mean on down the road and, and how does this play into God's plan? And, and I think in response to that, um, a life group was born in, in our community. Um, and God just moved in that immediately and brought families into our home uh, in short order, some that went here, some that have never been here, uh, just all around us. And uh, it's just amazing, um, extremely fruitful, fruitful and special time to us. And several months go by and, and we continue to have conversations about planning a, a church in this part of the city. And, and truthfully and transparently, we kind of stepped back and we said, I don't I don't know that we can do this. Um, it's intimidating, and and there's so many unanswered questions, and you just you just don't know. And and God was faithful, and in response to that questioning, He said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to that." And He went person by person through our entire life group, um, and completely transformed their lives. Um, children saved, marriages healed. Um, folks coming to know Jesus and hear the gospel for the first time uh, and truly walk with Jesus. Um, and through that, he just whispered to our family, hey, I'd love to have you guys. I don't need you guys, but I'd love to have you guys. And, and um, all of the families in our life group are at a point now where it's, it's just too special and what he's done has been too great uh, for us to not continue to step forward. Uh, to take that next step that we don't really know what it is, but he does, and just fully trust in that. Um, I said in the first service, um, we're kind of at that point where our feet are are leaving the ground uh, in in the middle of the river, uh, and the current is taking us, and and it's such an amazing blessing. Um, We we consider it an honor to carry that torch um, along with these guys in... um, we're just very excited to see what God does next. Um, thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. And, um, you know, there are uh, many details that we do not know yet and things that we're still planning in preparation for the launch of this church plant. Uh, but want to invite you to ask any questions that you have along the way, not promising all the answers at this point, but we are going to continue to keep you guys updated on things that, that, that come about and plans that are made. And so we're excited to be on this journey together um, because as, as, we, as we know, things that are, are worthwhile, things that are worth doing, they cost something. So while we're, there's excitement, while there's like, hey, we're, we're going forward in faith, we know that there's also a cost. There will be people that we miss. There will be uh, places of service that are, that are needed to be replaced. There, there, there is a cost to, to some of these things. And so uh, there's, there's a part of that that we feel. There's a part of that that gets me excited about uh, the opportunities that we all have to, to step into uh, the things God has called each of us to. Um, I do want to share a few of the details that, we, that, we, that we're um, leaning into 
just so you got to have a better picture of what we're talking about when we talk about planting a, a church. And so uh, our, our philosophy and the calling that God has given us is that uh, we, we desire to plant a church that uh, becomes a, a, a fully autonomous church in the sense of they are fully functioning, fully self-governed. Now there's high relationship, there's family. Uh, we will do missions together. We'll share a discipleship school. Uh, our college ministries, young adult families ministries will share retreats and different things like that. We'll do world mandates together, missions, those kinds of things we'll do together because we'll be a family and we're called together to, to, to reach the Phoenix Valley. Um, but we, we do it a little differently than maybe a, a campus model that, you, that maybe you would be familiar with where there's the, the same preaching that's coming and, and from the screen and different things like that. And so um, that, that's, the, that's where we're moving. Uh, we also recognize that, that, there, uh, that we want to send out a healthy, fully functioning team and so uh, there will be some, some shared uh, leadership in the beginning. Uh, the team that you saw up here, as I said, will also be joined um, by, by a few other uh, lay pastoral care folks that will help to cover the church. I will be leading that team as one not on the ground week to week, but leading the team in, in vision and strategy uh, for, for the beginning. Uh, our, our preaching team, that's a, that's a part of the preaching team here at, at, in Chandler, will we'll be helping to share the responsibility of preaching there on different weeks. And so there's going to be some shared efforts as the church kind of gets up and off the ground. And, uh, but we're, we're, we're excited about what God's called us to in that. We're gonna be, uh, there's gonna be, uh, Andy is gonna be leading out in a, in a fundraising venture to help provide the, the startup costs that are required for a church. And, uh, and God's given a lot of faith and opportunity in that realm. And so we're just, we're, we're excited about how God is, is laying the pathway uh, for, for this church to be launched. And, and as I said, there, there, is, there is energy, there is effort, just like a rocket being launched at the beginning. There's a lot that goes into that. Uh, but then it gets into the air and all those involved are like, yes, we did it. We did it. It's going. And then eventually when it gets into orbit, it's, it's going on its own. And so what a privilege that we have to be a church that partners with God to see other churches established. And so um, way to go. I don't know. Like it's just, we're, there's, there's an excitement. Like we, we, that's who we want to be. We are a family on mission. And it's been wonderful as God over the last few years has provided an opportunity for us to build this space, to, to have a place to gather, a strengthening foundations, uh, but we will always be a family on mission. And this is one of those uh, ways that we get to do that together. And part of being on a family on mission requires all of us to be a, a part of it. And that really is the biblical model to segue to our Ephesians 4 study. Um, today is, is a day where we celebrate what God is doing and also call us as the church to truly be the church as described biblically, not just a, our, our Western mindset of what it means to be the church or be a part of the church, but biblically, what do we see it means to be a part of the church. And so that's really what we're finding here in Ephesians chapter four, moving into this section, second section of the passage, beginning there in verse seven, where it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This, there's something important for us to hear in, in, this, in this verse. And it's specifically that the each one, okay, 
each one of us has been given this grace. Now, grace is the, the un, unmerited kind of favor, the unmerited giving of God to his people. Specifically in this context, it's, it's talking about the, the gifts of the spirit, the gifts that he's given us. There's a grace that comes for us to operate in, in the gifts that come by the spirit, not just by our flesh. And so he's saying that each one of us is ex to each one of us is extended a grace to operate in, in a gift, at least one gift of the spirit. Okay, and so this is, there's just an opportunity here for us to both take ownership, kind of a responsibility that, that you have been given a gift to steward, but also to be encouraged and empowered that you've been given a gift to steward and to use, right? And so, so it goes both ways where it's like, man, I don't, I don't know if I, I'm, I'm gifted or if I, if I have anything to offer. No, you do. Like biblically, you have been given a grace from God, a grace from God, an inheritance of, a, of, an, of an attribute, a, a gift and an ability to bless the body of Christ to be a blessing, to bring a, a contribution. In 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it's kind of the end of this discourse on the spiritual gifts out of 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And it says this, that every one of you, every time you gather ought to bring a song or a spiritual hymn or a tongue or interpretation. It talks, it's talking about the gifts. Every, every one of you, every time you gather ought to bring a gift. Okay, so it's the same kind of gift. So it's this everyone, every time. And so when we walk out of here today, uh, it would be wrong of us to walk away thinking, man, I've got, I've got nothing to contribute. Uh, I, you know, maybe other people have this gift or other people can contribute in this way or bring, you know, life to the, to the, this, the body of Christ in, in this regard. But me, man, I, I have nothing to give. That is just simply untrue. It's, it's not accurate. It's not biblically accurate to walk away with that mind frame. That, that, would be, that, that would be believing something that is not true, believing a lie. And that's what the enemy would want us to believe, right? We, he would want us to walk out of these doors today thinking I, he's talking to everybody else, but not me. He doesn't know my story. He doesn't know how I've messed things up. He doesn't know my past. He, he doesn't know, you know how I messed things up. That, don't believe any of that. We, we've got, we're going to the, the word of God, right? Where we're told that each one of us has a grace, a gift on our life for the church. And so we're walking out with that. The other thing that we're walking out with is a real contemplation and reflection of whether or not I'm using that gift in the way that it was intended to, to build up the body, okay? And we're gonna get to that a little more. So I, I wanted us to hear that though, that each one, as it says in verse seven uh, of us, has, has been given grace as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Okay, so again, it's using now a kind of a military conquest kind of analogy or picture you know, for us to, to realize that the, the Lord has done battle on our behalf. Now he, is, uh, he has won us this grace. And of course, the, the, the grace, it goes beyond just the, the gifts that he gives. It's the, it's the gift of salvation. It's the, the, the gift of his grace, the, the, the mercy of God. Um, but specifically, again, it's relating to these gifts. 
So there's this military conquest kind of picture that he has gone to battle so that we might experience grace. In fact, probably the most literal way to translate uh, this passage of scripture which is simply a, a, a translation out of, uh, out of Psalm 68, um, where, where this is being quoted from, is, is this. He led captivity captive. Okay, so here it says uh, in, in NIV, when he ascended on high, he took many captives. Well, literally, that's he, he led captivity captive. And so then you realize, okay, I know why they changed it because that's not really how we use the English language. I don't know if, you know, as I'm reading that, that's confusing to me. But if we slow down just a moment and, and think about it, it's, it's actually really powerful. So he led captivity captive so that we might receive grace, specifically the, the gifts of, of, the, of the spirit by the grace of God. So he led captivity, that is those things which held us in captivity, he led captivity captive. And so the things that, that we, we were held captive by have actually now been brought into captivity, that is sin and shame and fear and death and the enemy himself have now been taken captive so that we, the ones who were in captivity, are free to walk in the grace of God and expressing the gifts of God so that the church of God might be built up and strengthened and empowered. And so he has done a great work for us so that this might be accomplished. It, it, it alludes to that even more so in verse nine. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So you can read different things about what the, the ascension and, and the descension of Christ. The ascension is clear. It's when he has gone back and he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He, he rules and reigns above all things. The, uh, the, the descending of Jesus in this passage particularly uh, is interpreted in a couple of different ways. One can be that he descended to the earth itself. He put on flesh. He uh, became Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, others uh, take it even that step further. Further in, in reading the, the lower earthly regions as going into to Hades after he was crucified on the cross. Uh, the father had to turn his back on him as he took the, the sin and shame of the world upon himself. But he, he, and so he died, but he rose again. Uh, and so he descended into death, but he rose again, conquering death and sin. Either way that you interpret this, this passage of scripture, uh, the, the result is, is, is the same. First of all, that God so loved the world that he gave his son. And his son traded the riches of heaven to come to the dirt of this earth to give up his life that we might live. And, and, and in this picture, what we have is, is that he descended, that he might ascend higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Okay, so this is how these two verses end. He, he, he descended that he might ascend and fill the whole universe. Now, this little phrase is coming from something Paul already mentioned back in Ephesians chapter one. And so I wanna, I wanna read that to us um, as it gives context. So what does it mean that he's, he's now done these things? There's this conquest uh, and what is the result? Well, the result of it all is that he, he would fill the whole universe. 
Well, that language comes from Ephesians chapter 1, just earlier in this same letter, beginning in verse 20, where it says that, that Christ was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his, Jesus's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So it's this filling of Jesus in everything in every way, filling, as it says here in our passage, the, the, the whole universe. And it's describing and it's speaking in the context here of Ephesians 1, the supremacy and the authority that was given to Jesus as one who came to give up, live sinlessly, give up his life at the will of the Father. And so now he is ascended and all authority is his. He is supreme over all things and he is the head of the church. Kind of how we begin, he is worthy. He is worthy and he has done all things that we might know God, that we might experience life in God, both on this earth and forevermore in his presence. And so this is the, the worthiness of Jesus. And so the church is right in this mix. We're thinking about the grandeur of Jesus who fills the universe, who is supreme over all things. And, 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 his, and at the same time, we're seeing his care for the church, his intention to detail when it comes to the church, hey, I've given you grace, I've given you gifts. Do you recognize, okay, we need to recognize the, the kind of the, the plan of God. Not that we know it in all its detail or all the facets, but as we're talking about the glory of God filling the earth as he, as he descended to this earth and ascended back to heaven, do you see this? The church is at the center of it all the church that, that he established to facilitate the move of the spirit on the earth, it's at the center of it all. That, that we, we need to, again, we have this responsibility to walk in the, in the gifts and grace that God has given us. And, and, and it says this, moving on in verse 11, that Christ himself, again, attention to detail, care for the church, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. So he gave these, these gifts to the church. And specifically when you read here in Ephesians chapter four, while there are different places in the New Testament that have different lists of different gifts, none of which are meant to be exhaustive, this, this list uh, stands out in one way that is uh, in, in that it's often referred to as the offices of the church. You may have heard it as the fivefold ministry of the church. There's different ways that it's described by theologians as a, as a group of uh, gifts, and, and not only gifts, but people that God gives the church to help to lead the church in these different areas. We, we use this list uh, uh, in, in, the, in, our, in the life of our church to think about uh, the, the own, our, our health because we feel like this is something that God has given, that the Jesus has given the church. And so we ask the question, do we have these gifts, these, these offices, this, these ministries that present in, in our church? Are they healthy? Uh, are they present so that our church can be healthy? 
And while we could spend probably an individual message on each one of these different gifts, I'm going to do my best to just kind of sum up what, what each of these are and the way that they, they serve the church. And so, first of all, you have the, the office or the, the gift of the apostolic ministry in the church. And, and this gift is, is used in the leading of God's people to the things of the kingdom, uh, the, the apostolic has an, an eye on heaven. Uh, God, what are you doing? What, what, where are you leading us? The, the, the prayer of the apostolic is, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's that, 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 that beckoning of God to, to come and to reveal kingdom realities to us on the earth. It results in, in faith and belief among the church. It results in kingdom advancement and, and, and new, new initiatives. You've got the prophetic ministry of the church, this gifting of the, of the prophetic. Uh, and and if, the, if the apostolic has an eye on heaven, then the prophetic has an, has an ear to heaven, is, is leaning in to hear what it is that God is speaking. The, uh, the prophetic ministry would provide a, a stream of insight and awareness from the Lord as to what he's doing and what we need to lean into as, as a people. And, and it provides encouragement, strength, and comfort as we read in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 14 that of, of what the prophetic brings to the, to the body. The evangelistic gift is constantly engaged with the thought and activity of reaching those who, who don't know Jesus. Uh, they're, they're thinking of, of ways to, uh, uh, to, to train, to activate, to equip and supply ideas and opportunities that we might all be involved in, in reaching those who don't know him. And the, the pastoral gift uh, brings the care and nurture of, of the church. They, they, they come alongside people. Uh, there, there, there's counseling. There's addressing of needs. There's getting into your boat and your world. It is the picture that we see so often in scripture of, of the shepherding of the flock uh, so that there is care and that there is nurturing. The, the teaching gift it, it specializes in the exposition and application of scripture with authority. And, and we, see, we don't ever see the authority uh, in the New Testament um, extricated from the, the teaching gift. Jesus taught as one who had authority and it was different than those that were just tra tra transmitting information. And so there's an authority, there's a clarity of communication and understanding that has the ability to take the scriptures and uh, make them applicable for the way that we live life. Uh, there's a, a, a the part of the teaching gift that is able to, to take the, the truths of scripture and, and break down kind of things that might feel complex and, and bring them into uh, simplicity and into reproducible application for the church and, and, and are able to build out systems in that way. And so the, these gifts are needed for the healthy functioning of the church. And, and it, again, is not to be exhaustive of all, all the, the gifts that are represented within the body, but these particular giftings are given to the church to function in the role that's described in the very next phrase at the beginning of verse 12, that these gifts are given to the church by Christ himself so as to equip the saints for the work of ministry. This is something that as a, as a staff that we have 
taken very seriously and have taken time in different seasons to consider uh, the, the effectiveness of the ministry of the church based on this Ephesians 4 passage that are, are we who are, are called to, to more of a, um, to use the, the, this language of the, the office of the, the, the ministry, it's vocational ministry, because Again, I think we know this, but let me make it clear. We are all called to be ministers of the gospel, right? Sometimes our, our Western church language kind of confuses the, the, that fact, but, but we are all called to be ministers. While there may be some that are called vocationally uh, to, do, to do that, uh, that we are all clearly biblically called to be ministers of the gospel. Um, I, in fact, for, for me personally, I'm, I'm, you can call me whatever you want to call me. A lot of people call me Pastor Travis or whatever. It took me a while to get comfortable with that. because I, And still, if you just want to call me Travis, so be it. I, ha, I said that in the first service, and I had a couple people say, I just can't help it. That's what I've always been like, fine, it's fine. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't bother me. I'm just saying I'm just a dude that's trying to follow Jesus just like you are. Right, I just like I'm trying to to get up and, and spend time with God. I I'm trying to love my wife as Jesus loved the church. I'm trying to disciple my kids as best I know how. I'm just trying to learn how to abide every day and take my burdens to Him. Like I'm just the same, right? With a couple of years of school, which I you know I don't know how much I remember. I can't still read my New Testament in Greek, right? I haven't, I can't do it anymore. I confess my, to my Greek teacher, my Hebrew. I, I didn't keep up with it. Like, I, I'm sorry. Um, and like, right, we're all in it together. To, 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 we're in the, same, in the same boat. We're just trying to love Jesus. We're trying to, to, to learn how to, uh, to throw off our own fear and anxiety and share Jesus with, with those around us in our workplaces, in our lives, on our kids' sports teams. That, that's, that's what we're, we're doing here, right? And, and so the call is to, to ministry and the call uh, that, that's often as we look at this passage of scripture that has been given to the church leadership, those who have the vocational ministry call, or how are you doing it equipping the saints to do what they're called to do? Because it's not until that happens to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. The body of Christ is not going to be properly built up until we're all doing the work of ministry. It's not, it's not just, you know, for, for a few to do the work of ministry while the rest of the church abdicates it because there's a few specialists or something like that. And that, that's the downfall of kind of the, the, the Western church model and how it's, how, how it's been, right? Is that we, we um, so many churches, so many people in this valley, in, in our nation are in and out of church on a, on a Sunday morning, right? And, and hopefully they're getting filled up. Hopefully they're getting some good instruction and those kinds of things. But if that's the only part of partaking in, uh, in the life of the church that's happening, then they're not really biblically a part of the church. Because, because the church is this, is this mutual building up of one another. It's the, it's, it's, it's the ministry of the, the body of the church to one another. So, so, that, uh, so that the body of Christ might be built up. That, that's why for us, our small group, our, um, communities called Life Group are, are so significant be, because in, in the life of the church, if it's just an in and out on a Sunday morning, there's very few opportunities for you. Remember, each one having the gift that God's given you to operate in that gift, to give that gift away. Right? There, there's not very many opportunities for you to do that. If you're in, you're, you're half time, you're singing, the other half, you know, you're, you're, you're listening to me or someone talk, and then the other, there's not anymore, but the other little bit, you're in and out, you know? Um, so so that there's just not much time there. 
The, the, the ministry of the church, uh, more than on a Sunday morning, is happening in, in life groups. It's happening as life is being shared. It's the picture of Acts 2, 42 through 47. It's the place where the, the body is being built up. If you're not being, feeling built up and encouraged, and so you've been hopping from church to church saying, no, they don't really build me up and I don't really get encouraged there. The question is not whether the, the worship is good or the teaching, this or that. It's like, well, have you been involved in the life of the church? Because the way God designed it is for the body to build itself up uh, through, through the, the, the saints doing the work of ministry, not through a worship team or a speaker building you up. That's just, and hopefully that happens here on a Sunday morning, but just Biblically, the way God designed it, I think we're, we as a society are missing out. And when we think about unhealth in the church, when we think about depression and anxiety that's rampant in the world today, not to mention in the church, I think a lot of it's because we're missing out on what God's designed. You know, you think about even about the, the, the wonderful uh, ministries of, of counseling and therapy and different things. A, a lot of that is, is, the, is the ministry of, of conversation and hearing and listening and being attentive and, and sharing with one another. If you have a Christian counselor, it's prayer. It's, but it, you know, and, and so those are wonderful and will always be needed. Uh, but but it's, it's so interesting to me that actually that's, that's the, the ministry of the body as well in the context of small groups and sharing life together and, and bringing encouragement, bringing prophetic, bringing comfort, bringing you know, the hospitality gift, bringing the, the teaching, the, the lines to the word of God, bringing the pastor, you know, it's, it's these things in the, mini, in the ministry of the body that build up the body, that bring health to the body. And so here in just a moment, we're, we're going to have communion together. We're gonna to be doing that every week, um, um, we usually do it about once a month, but during this, this series, we, we felt like, man, we need to do this every week where, where we're coming to the table of the Lord as the church. We're coming to the table of the Lord. And last week, we specifically focused on coming to the table of the Lord, and, uh, and, and we were talking about the unity that, that, that Christ has given us and just where we're, we're dropping at the table, we're, we're laying down all our preferences and all our opinions and we're just saying the only thing that matters is you, Jesus. Would you be exalted? Would you reign and rule in my life? And, and this week we're gonna come and we're gonna lay, we're gonna kind of lay down our, our time and, and we're gonna uh, bring to the, the table our energy. We're gonna, we're gonna lay down those things that God, I just give it all to you. I bring to you my, the gifts my time, my energy, my, my gifts, and I, I bring them and I lay them at the table. The idea of the table is something we talk a lot about as a family, like we wanna, everything's always on the table before the Lord. Anything that we have, anything that we have to offer, any, any of our time, any of our whatever, it's always on the table, God, it's yours. And in the same way, we're coming this morning to the table of the Lord, to the, the table of communion, the table where Jesus in, invites us to the, the last supper, you know, to have, to, to, to think about all that he's done. And today, specifically, just narrowing in on God, you've, you did so much and you accomplished so much and you plundered death and hell and sin. You took captivity captive so I might have the gift of grace. And so I just, I bring those gifts to you. I, I bring him to you. And then as our response, not we wanna begin here at this table, we actually have another table in the lobby. And so it's just getting real practical. I said last week, every week we're gonna have practicals of how do we actually respond? There's the response always that we have before the Lord, but at the table out in the lobby is actually gonna be a table of our life groups. Like if you're like, and I need to get, I, I need to get involved in the, the life of the body. 
then there's gonna be a table out there, just all the information. Hopefully there's every, every barrier or hurdle would be taken down so you have an opportunity to get involved in, 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 the, in the life of the church in that way. There's also gonna be at that table opportunities to serve. If it's, I mean, I'm bringing my gifts, I'm, I'm bringing my time, I'm bringing my energy, like that I wanna bring those to serve. It's actually, again, one of the things I love about planning churches and multiplying life groups is that it actually provides greater, like we're gonna have greater places need for serving than ever before as we, as we send out some, you know? And so, so there's just this place of we, we need to be the church. And when we are, can you think of just how powerful the church is, is designed to be when, when not a, a handful of people are doing the work of ministry, but when, I, when the entire body is being fully equipped to do the work of ministry and building up uh, the body of Christ until, as it says, and we'll finish here in verse 13, until we reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Becoming mature, and attaining to, the, to the, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's a powerful statement, and I'm not gonna go into it today because actually much of the rest of Ephesians chapter four is describing that. It's gonna kind of unpack that. What does it look like to get there, to maturity, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? But I did wanna mention this out of 13 because I think it's, it, it ought to be motivating for us um, where it says we may be built up until we reach, we all reach unity in the faith. It's interesting because if you were here last week, you'll remember me talking about the fact that as we look back at Ephesians 2, Jesus has already attained unity for us. That's what he did by the work of the cross. He broke down the dividing walls of hostility, both horizontally between, uh, between brother and sister, as well as vertically between mankind and God. He's broken the walls of hostility. So, so unity, that's something he's already achieved for us. And yet this is one of those uh, paradigms in scripture uh, that, you, that you run across so often where it's an already not yet. It's already been, the way has been made. The space has been provided. It won't be fully realized until heaven. And so for right now, it's something that we have to pursue. It's something that we have to, to diligently uh, pursue and run after because if it was that important to Jesus, that he would give up his life so, so that unity might come and unity in the spirit, that he, he's already purchased it and guaranteed it with his blood, but now it has to be lived out. It has to be brought to the fullness of expression in the life of the church. And so in this sense, it is still a goal to be attained. And so that's what we're continuing to, to run after, to be the beautiful church that God intended for us to be, recognizing that we are all needed and that we all need the church. Do you, do you see that here? That you are needed, each one, every time. The gifts that God's given you, is you are, you are needed here for the church to rightly function. And so let me just extend the invitation each and every one of you sitting here or listening to this on, online, that the invitation is there. You are needed. And this passage also would describe to us that 
you vitally need the church. Not only are you vitally needed by the church, but you vitally need the church. That there are gifts that have been given to the church and the roles of these, these offices, these, this prophetic, prophetic encouragement, apostolic leadership, the, the pastoral nurturing, right? The, the evangelistic training, the, the, the equipping of the teaching gift, like that we also need the church to be built up to do the work of ministry. And so we come together and just say, Jesus, be the head. Lead us. We trust you. So I invite you to just stand with me as we begin to prepare our hearts for the taking of communion. I want you to just kind of go before God. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, I invite you to come and take communion as it's a, an expression of belief in him. It's, it, is, it is saying, I, I believe that you died for me. It's saying that I, I believe that your way is the way to life. In, in taking communion, we're, we're, we're saying, God, you are love. You have loved me. We're saying that I could search the world over and I would find no greater love than the love of Jesus. And I've given my a life to him because he gave up his life for me. And as a result, I've found peace and joy and, and abundant life. And that's what we're expressing when we come. And so if that's your expression, you come. Maybe for some of you, you need to express that for the first time. You, you've never had a relationship with Jesus. You felt like God's always been at a distance. Well, know today that he is drawing you near, that no longer does there have to be distance, no longer does there have to be darkness, no longer does there have to be hopelessness, but he's inviting you in to life. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, he's inviting you in with arms open wide. And so if your heart is to say yes to that, I would invite you to come as well and just say, I, I believe. And we'd love to talk with you about that. Somebody that you came with, we'd love to talk with you about it more, but we wanna respond to Jesus by coming to this table today and say, God, I bring my gifts, I bring my time, I bring my energy to you because you're worthy, because you're worthy. So Lord Jesus, would you just move in us? Would you stir in us as we respond to you, both at a heart level as well as practically, God? We just wanna to respond to you to be the church that you intended, not the church that we kind of always have thought about or this Western model of this or that, but just God, let us be the beautiful church that you intended us to be, that you might receive glory in all the earth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And so when you're ready, uh, I just invite you to come and take the, get the communion elements. You can take them back to your seat. You can come and just find a place to kneel on the floor as the worship team leads us. You can take them when you're ready um, and, and just do it as a holy moment with God. Uh, with each table, there's kind of a couple of lines that can form and, uh, and you come forward and respond to God uh, when you're ready to do that.